to the Between You and Me podcast from KEXE. We are listening to some of the morning show conversations that we get a chance to have. I'm Heidi Holton, host of the morning show. Here with me is Chelsea Perkins, our news director. Hi, Heidi. Hi. So we're a little sad because we are, we are not sitting on the banks of the Mississippi River at the moment together. <laughs> no, we are not. Although it's still... We're both still looking out windows at the yes. outdoors. There's that. It was a big week when it comes to news for the town of Grand Rapids. It was. And I was like, why couldn't the Justice Department wait until I have a newsroom to, <laughs> to announce this freaking news? <laughs> That's how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah, lay it out for us. What happened this week? Well... Dorothy's ruby slippers, which were stolen in 2005, recovered in 2018. We're talking about a an 18-year saga here. The next chapter started with the announcement of an indictment. They found the alleged person who committed robbery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, once again, worldwide news, Grand Rapids, Minnesota. It's It's confusing. This entire thing is very confusing, don't you think? (laughs) Well, I just am left wondering, which, you know, you always are, I suppose, that when you, something's going through the court system, you're often not privy to the the details, but I can't help but wonder, like, what motivated this, this guy? I mean, you know, if, if it was him, which I can only imagine they waited this long, you know, they wouldn't be just kind of doing this if they didn't have evidence, you know, probably to back up bringing these charges. I mean, it's a pretty big deal to uh, to do this on the federal court level. Uh, and obviously a grand jury agreed that there was enough to, to bring the charge. So, so am I understanding this right? So they were stolen in 2005 and we hear nothing until what was it like? 2018. 2018. When we hear that they have found the Ruby slippers they make a big deal. There's a press conference and the press conference says really nothing except that they have found them. They can't tell us where and they don't know who or they won't say who or they don't know who. Right. Well, they, they said they found them in Minneapolis, but that was the that was as specific as they got um, from my review of all of this. I mean, I <laughs> I was working at the dispatch at the time that the, they were found and I remember you know, my coworker Renee Richardson was excited that there was another chapter. And then it's so funny because then I here I'm at KAXE now and here's the next chapter and um, the next bit of news about this. And, and you guys are all kind of just <laughs> shrugged your shoulders. A well, yeah, bit. we're rolling our eyes, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you've been living with this story for 18 years and <laughs> and also been facing the impacts or the effects of the worldwide attention of it where, yeah, I mean, it's just funny to think about how these national, international journalists are so excited by this story, which, you know, it's an interesting story. I get it. Also, it gets a little old when, when you're that close to it. I mean, I've been in on the side of that as well at the dispatch with stories that receive 
national attention and you're like, all right, we get it. <laughs> There's yeah. more to our town than the Ruby slipper theft. <laughs> right. Right. Cause so yeah, it gets a little weird and I, I shouldn't be so jaded, you know, but it's cause I get why towns do things like this. I get why Hibbing celebrates Bob Dylan and so does Duluth. You know, I get that because Dylan has this lasting impact. His lyrics kind of reflect his immigrant parents and life in Hibbing at that time. Uh, Judy Garland was born in Grand Rapids, but she was three years old when she left. Four, three, four. Four, four, four. and a half, I think. Okay. Yep. But I also get it. You want to be known for something, right? I mean, one of the big barriers for Grand Rapids is it's... It's Minnesota. It's not Michigan or some other, you know, I mean, people don't even know what it is. People in Minnesota don't always know what Grand Rapids is, you know, so I get it. You got to find, you know, Darwin, Minnesota has that ball of twine. I understand these things. You know, it's a tourist thing. People need a little bit of a narrative about a place they're going to. But it's hard when you live in the town, you know, <laughs> and her birthday comes, her birthday's June 10th. I always remember that because the same day is my brother's birthday. And they used to do a big, you know, parade and a bunch of stuff. I, I have been to the football field at the high school and watched a free outdoor Wizard of Oz, you know, fun, some fun things. I've met a couple of the munchkins, as have you. I mean, there's some interesting, interesting things about it, but it gets wearing, <laughs> I know. And here I am coming in with all this enthusiasm about covering the latest, you know, twist in the story, the tawdry conclusion, as I called it, <laughs> as I said to you about it. Um, and, you know, and, and I do, I understand that, that like, oh, you know, kind of feeling that you mm -hmm. get when you're like, all right, now we got to talk about this topic again. One thing we have to remember is that while it is old hat to us, the vast majority of people, it is not. They haven't thought about this since the last time it was in the news, you know? Yes. So here's the one thing. If it were tawdry, I'd be more excited. It's just that we don't know. It's like they found the slippers. Did they, did the guy sell them? And so they found the slippers before they knew who the guy was, or they've been having to wait in this interim the guy hasn't had them since 2018. I think we know that, right? <laughs> At least, you know, we don't know when he, they weren't in his possession, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It just, it's not even so much I'm tired with Judy Garland. It's just, I'm tired of not knowing more of that stuff. And I get it. You know, there's, it's, there's the FBI's involved in everything, but it isn't tawdry. Maybe I'm wishing for tawdry. Well, maybe that part isn't, but if you think about the overall I mean, first of all, you have just the mere fact that these are some of the most iconic movie, um, you know, pieces from costume pieces that anyone can possibly think of. Pop culture references to The Wizard of Oz are still a regular part of our lexicon. It's, it was a huge movie. It's a movie that everyone knows, essentially, even probably in the most remote parts of the world. They've heard of The Wizard of Oz, you know, um, and so that part just immediately is going to elevate it to an interesting, more interesting story that's going to catch the attention of media outside of our area. That's number one. Number two, you have the fact that like you and Kari were talking about, 
the art heist element, like, oh, what? Like something, who knows? I mean, you, you, you're picturing all these ways that someone's like trying to avoid lasers or like, you know, to get to. And then you find out that basically these shoes were just sitting there with like no security. Yeah. Under plexiglass uh, and the back door was kind of open. Right. Um, and so that part, then, then it's almost interesting in a different way. Cause you're like, huh, that's weird. Um, but then you go, you move on the, the police are looking for it, um, over the years and they have all these plate, you know, they do this diving to look in the lake and they are trying to locate them in, you know, in the mines and just all of these, I guess, uh, different, different ways that they're investigating this case. That makes it interesting too, because then of course you're like, all right, they're diving down. Are they going to come up with ruby slippers above their head? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, and I do, I do like that the town did after the first year or two, after they were stolen in 2005, they kind of started to have fun with it. And there was a sign that was right at the front of the Judy Garland Museum that said, who took the slippers? Question mark. And then they started incorporating that into the Judy Garland Festival. There was murder mystery theaters and different things, you know, like there's a mystery to unsolved. I mean, it wasn't about that, but it's like at least they had a little bit fun with fun with that because they realized people were still kind of paying attention. I have like people I've known in different parts of my life who still are like, I got to come up there. I got to get to the Judy Garland Museum. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'd love to see you. <laughs> But okay, <laughs> sure, come on up to the gym. I mean, I, I have taken people there and I've enjoyed it. So I am not that big of a skeptic and I love stuff like this. I Tom and I do road trips and we love going to goofy small town museums. And, you know, it's that that's why I don't quite understand why I'm so jaded on this one. Well, those people in those towns probably feel the same way. Sure. About their goofy small town museums and attractions and um, just like how I'm from Pequot Lakes and people are like, oh, is that where the bobber is? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yep, that's where the bobber is. Or you're from Brainerd. Is, do you guys still have that giant Paul Bunyan statue that talks to you? Well, we do, but it's in, it's in Garrison now or yeah. you know, it's, it's not here anymore. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you just or another example I can think of is when you're in the service industry, you hear the same five jokes over and over again, you know? And so it's, it's just kind of keeping that perspective that just because it's old news to you or something that you've dealt with a lot, it's not for that person necessarily. And obviously there are some people who are enthused about Judy Garland's connection, you know? Um, And the in fact the museum director was featured on as it happens the, the cbc yes you the, know their nationwide broadcast so yep and he's the reti- i don't quite understand it because he's retired he is not the current there is a new you know person but it sounded i didn't even get to hear this story you did he's he wants to bring them back that's his quest to bring them back to the museum yeah. or something yeah. So the, as it happens, host, you know, asked him where the slippers were and he explained that they, the FBI still had them, you know, but that the, the insurance company owns them now because they paid out the original owner of the shoes that had lent them to the museum at the time they were stolen. And he made some comment about how he was 
going to fight to bring these slippers back to Minnesota because of their cultural connection to the state. And, and he also told the host he was going to write a book. So I guess we'll have to keep an eye out for that. I guess so. Well, and finally he's off the hook. So that's good because that's been the, that's been the rumor that he had something to do with this whole thing. So that's going to be easier for him to get around in, in the community here. And he addressed that suspicion as well. And, and the fact that um, for a long time, people thought it was an inside job and that the museum itself was benefiting from the insurance payout, which wasn't true. Uh, They didn't didn't benefit from it. In fact, I think they probably um, ended up with kind of a, a negative impact from it because I mean, they were responsible for losing, (laughs) losing this guy's shoes. You know, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't really keep it as secure probably as he was imagining they would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're worth three and a half million dollars. It's not something you just want to leave in, in the, you know, backseat of your car. <laughs> right. Right. But you as a journalist um, and you know, you've done, you've been an investigative journalist and we'll be digging into lots of things. I bet you really wish you had the capacity right now that you had your full crew so you could f- maybe see if we can get an interview with the guy, which he probably isn't talking, but find more information about it. Well, I just am curious, you know, I don't know anything about this gentleman that was supposedly that committed the the theft. Um, and it doesn't sound like any of you knew who his name, you didn't recognize his name. Mm-mm. And even, even John Kelsch on the interview with, as it happens, said that he was asking around town and he found one person who knew a relative <laughs> and that was it. That was all he could come up with. So I definitely, you know, I can't help but have some curiosity about who is this person? How did he decide to do this? Did he do this? like just kind of on a whim and then went from there trying to figure out what to do with them at that point? Or was he recruited? Was he part of this, you know, some kind of theft ring or who knows what? I mean, there's just so many possibilities, but yes, I, I, I do wish I had a a team just so that, just so that when it happened, I could have capitalized on it a little bit better than we were able to just with our resources. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, you know, there are things that matter more to our communities that yes, it's an interesting pop culture piece and something that draws attention. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to be using my resources as a newsroom to cover this region, I would rather be doing it to cover things that are more consequential. Right. So the the brief conversation Kari and I had about this on the morning show and it doesn't say all that much, but we've also got some information on our website um, in the story that from a historian that we used to feature regularly and it's Judy Garland's thoughts like just a few years before she passed away about the town of Grand Rapids. In 1960, amidst a plethora of woes that had come to be so well known to her devoted fans, Oh, nervous breakdowns, reliance on drugs and alcohol, failed marriages, missed sessions in movie studios and broken stage performance contracts. In the midst of what had become a very unhappy life and just nine years before her death at age 47 from a drug overdose, in an interview, Judy talked about her memories of Grand Rapids. Her thoughts are disjointed and unorganized, but they certainly are poignant. 
as we have been looking at Grand Rapids, we've seen it as an appealing place that was beloved by many, but probably none so much so as by Judy Garland as she looked for some stability and happiness in her life. She said, it's a swell state, Minnesota. I'm proud it's my home, and I know there are a few hundred thousand of us who feel the same way. We've got to pull together, we Minnesotans. Isn't that interesting, that after such a short time, she still thought of herself as a Minnesotan. That's kind of interesting. And then this this podcast from Gimlet Media, Spotify, um, where they were coming in during the pandemic, 2021, and they thought they had this big thing to uncover and then realized not many details are there and there really isn't much and not many people wanted to talk. So they quickly pivoted to tell a different sort of a story, but talk to the townspeople. But you were part of that, yeah. Heidi. I mean, you, you ended up becoming involved in that um, podcast. I listened to it once we once we had the news about the Ruby Slippers. I listened to it. Uh, and there's a lot of familiar voices for KAXE listeners that took part in that podcast. It was Crime Show. That's the name of the podcast. And the episode was about Grand Rapids. And they, because the story ended up a little bit different than they thought it would be, I think I thought they did a good job with what they had. I mean, they kind of got into the complexities of the relationship between Grand Rapids and and Judy Garland and the the Ruby Slippers case, and they they brought up the point that you know this push to have Judy Garland be a major part of Grand Rapids tourism um, platform, basically that it actually ended up working out in the long run because of the fact that the slippers went missing that drew a ton of attention to the city. And they also noted that there was five cities named Grand Rapids in the United States and, and most of them were in the Midwest. (laughs) And I didn't know that I knew of the two, you know, I knew, I didn't know there were so many. There are, uh, if, if the time we were living in was not so political, this would be my hope and dream that, Grand Rapids would use this moment to once again capitalize, right? Right after they were stolen, then that kind of became a thing. So they could take this moment right now and really lift up Judy Garland's legacy by having pride parades every summer on her birthday and welcoming in LGBTQ people for this reason. That's a lot of the population who came to the festivals, but as a whole in the political world we're living in right now, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> well, and when you were helping the, the Gimlet folks get tape, you, you, I mean, you know, all what was on the cutting room floor, right? So right. you heard this, right. the whole interview, obviously that happens in every podcast where you, or production, you have to focus in on what makes the most sense for your story you're trying to tell. But that was one of the, one of the interview subjects talked about that and, and how the parades had an impact on, on his life as a young gay man living in rural Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I had a chance to talk to Aaron Jordan Peterson and he, he knew he was different from a long time. He had a fraught relationship with his family. He wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say he was out because he also grew up in a time where you don't necessarily come out at a young age. He just knew he was very different. And so he said he looked forward to every year, the Judy Garland festival, because the 
hoopla of it, the festival of it, he, I think he took something from it that it was celebrating differences. I don't know if it's that there's, you, you have to suspend your disbelief for this movie, that this tornado, that this thing could happen. And then it's a land of munchkins and, you know, trees are throwing apples at you and flying monkeys and all this stuff. And I don't know if that, because that's shown over and over each summer, and then they would put on, you know, kind of some, they'd put on a plays and he's, he's a local theater guy. Yeah, I, I was, that was one of the areas I was a little disappointed that they did not include that because I thought there was real humanity there. That just, again, shows the different perspectives that different media organizations come from because we are interested in that aspect of it because that's showing people of our community and bringing recognition to uh, folks that don't always get as much visibility. And it was one of the first audio projects I've ever done where I didn't have, I didn't write the questions. You know, I was, I, cause I was hired to do this as a little side job and they just needed audio. And it was because it was a pandemic. They had originally, they were going to fly in, they were going to take care of this. They knew that they couldn't at that point. I was very busy at that point, but because I didn't have all that much to do, I was like, okay, well, I can do this. This is sort of very fun instead of like everyday crunching numbers on COVID in each county in the state, <laughs> you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff that was going on. So they sent me, first of all, only one of the things I did was actually in person. And I said I was okay with doing that as long as masks were worn. And I'd kind of gotten to, you know, I talked to the producers. It was kind of fun. I always love meeting other people who work in a field, you know, whether it's other public radio or something to kind of, you just have the immediate kind of like a friendship or something. And so I had been kind of talking to them about this whole thing and telling them my, you know, the little I knew about everything. And they thought that all was very funny. And so they sent me to someone who took this so seriously and really purported that all of Grand Rapids loved Judy Garland and basically thought of her every day. And it was infusing every part of our, you know, it was like this crazy thing. And I'm texting the producers like, this is not true. <laughs> this is not true. And so they did listen to some what? of that stuff. You, mean, you, didn't, you didn't visit like your Judy Garland shrine the first thing when you woke up in the morning and, and, and woke up humming somewhere over the rainbow. No, <laughs> like but that's no. not part of your life in Grand Rapids. No. Really? And, and maybe she wasn't going that far, but that's how I took it. <laughs> and it, it just was too much for me. Right. But then I like, there's a little thing in there. Like they didn't know that David Letterman had had, or had talked about Grand Rapids. That's me. That's why that's in the podcast, you know? Um, and so there were some elements like that. So it was fun. It was kind of fun to see that, like, I had a little, you know, I got them the voices. They cut them as they, you know, as they wanted to. Well, it's more than just a little. You basically helped them find all of the people to yeah. interview. Yeah. Well, and because <laughs> I mean, it, it, for you, they wouldn't have had a podcast. <laughs> well, and I think I, what I also turned it to with them when I told them that not everybody feels that way. Then they came back to me because at that point, then the pandemic's getting worse. So they're like, okay, well, we don't want to risk your health and have you go out to other people. But do you know people in town that you could talk to? You could do it through Zoom. You could, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure I do. I said, but am I only supposed to talk to people who like Judy Garland? Because that might not be so easy. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, not at all. And so that's kind of when, you know, it, it took a turn and it's different. And it kind of shows that just people have a lot of different feelings about the whole thing. 
there's reasons why that might be. I mean, they went, they talked about in the podcast about how she didn't really come back, you know, they, and they, they tried, I think there was some kind of petition, right. Even during um, the forties trying to, once she kind of blew up after the wizard of Oz that was trying to get her to come back to perform and she didn't. And she may have talked, you know, positively about Minnesota in this magazine article, according to the historian, but talking is one thing and showing is another. And I think a lot of people were like disheartened by that, that they didn't feel like she embraced the city as much as the city embraced her. It's a between you and me podcast. You hear a little bit of our talk in the background of the very loose ties that KAXE had to the day that those ruby slippers were stolen. Big news came out around the world yesterday that involved Grand Rapids, Minnesota. A federal grand jury returned an indictment against Harry Martin for the theft of an object of cultural heritage. This is according to the Justice Department. That, of course, is the Ruby Slippers. The theft of an object of cultural heritage from the care, custody, or control of a museum. This is also interesting in this release. They say Martin is charged with one count of theft of major artwork. So those slippers are considered artwork. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of books and movies that are about art heists, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. And I'm not interested. (laughs) It's weird. It's like whenever I hear about, I mean, they can be good if I get tricked into it, but the idea of it for some reason is not that interesting, but maybe I'm just not thinking about it right because it is kind of interesting how it happens. I'm trying to think of movies. I feel like I've enjoyed movies about art heists before. Um, just because, but I don't. I can't think of any of them. All I'm thinking of is Ocean's Eleven, but that is not an art heist. That is. A- <laughs> I read a, a wonderful book last week um, that had some art heist stuff Im- embedded in it, mm-hmm. and it was actually the someone. It was a murder mystery that was set in a tea house in San Francisco. Um, Vera Wang's. Uh, famous tea house, but the woman's actually called Vera Wong, but she figured more people would come if she called it that. <laughs> it's fa- it's a, it's a fan. She is, she is this amateur detective and she's, oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, but the man who has died has, has paid artists for their NFTs, you know, the oh, electronic. Uh-huh. And so they've lost control of their own artwork. So mm. it kind of is, I mean, that in a way. So what's always interesting, but not really interesting about the art highs thing. What I've always been perplexed by is what do you plan to do with that artwork? Because you can't publicly, like you're going to get arrested. And what's confusing, of course. How is it of value to you if you can't sell it? Right. What's confusing about the Ruby slippers is they found the slippers. We heard that a few years ago. Right. Right. Or longer. But now they've just found the man who stole them. But he hasn't had them. What does right. that mean? So he must have sold them? On the black market? Or something. So it alleges that in 2005, Martin stole an authentic pair of ruby slippers worn by Judy Garland in the 1939 movie The Wizard of Oz from the museum in Grand Rapids. At the time of the theft, the slippers were insured for $1 million, but current fair market appraisal value of the slippers are at $3.5 million. Do you remember where they found them when they, when they did find them a few years ago? I don't think they said. 
I don't think they did either. The announcement, that was the FBI in yes, investigation, It was right? a big deal, the announcement mm-hmm. and what was going on, and then really nothing was said besides we found them, we don't know who took them. Yeah. So they... I, I smell a podcast coming out of this uh, investigation. <laughs> there are so many podcasts out of, about the Judy Garland. <laughs> oh I think everybody's looking for something so juicy, and so far... It's there's no juice whatsoever <laughs> no, it's involved a pretty in dry this. story. Yeah, um, the charges were announced yesterday as a result of a federal investigation into the initial theft of the ruby slippers. It's being conducted by the FBI's Minneapolis division. It merely alleges that crimes have been committed. He's not been arrested, and all defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Any thoughts from you? You can text us at two one eight three two six one two three four. Terry, there, there were all these things so this happened in 2005 where they really were trying to find it like there was a dive into Pacagama Lake and they thought they were there and they unearthed it and it was no it wasn't it was like a package or something and that wasn't them John Bauer said on the air that we had them and then the FBI called <laughs> wasn't and the BBC like that? yes we had no it was the day that it happened I remember thinking you know because the day they were stolen yes the oh. day that they were stolen I remember we heard about it and we didn't really realize the worldwide significance of something happening in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, right? And so we, you know, as you do, we scoffed a bit, right? And so we just didn't understand the magnitude of this thing. So And how closely people were probably... And I believe we went into a planning meeting, probably planning a fundraiser. So we're in a meeting for like three hours, right? So we just did not realize what was happening. And y'all didn't have like cell phones probably no. where it was like alerts... <laughs> No, I had a car phone at that time, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, So anyway, uh, we definitely couldn't. There were still rules about do not bring cell phones into meetings, actually. Do you remember those hilarious days? Um, It probably wasn't when you were here, but for a while when cell phones were still new, it's Uh like that was a big deal. Like, you know, as a supervisor of many people over the years, there were people I had to talk to about, like, you can't do that. You can at least turn it over and don't be looking at your cell phone, which nowadays is hilarious. But anyway, we walked out and we did not realize the extent of this. And then I remember going home that night was when David Letterman was still on. And that was his monologue was about, about Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And it was just like, whew, wow. Oh my gosh. And yeah, at the time we had a a uh, much less professional website. <laughs> it was more along the lines of the Satire. Onion. Satire? It was like the Onion. Yeah. yeah, we would make up stories. I won't say who we is, but anyway, there was a joke put there about the slippers because, again, we did not realize the magnitude of it. So we kind of got in some trouble. <laughs> a little bit of heat. <laughs> a little bit of heat. Yeah, and so who knew that this would be a big deal? And honestly, I have heard from at least over the years... Five to six different people somehow finding me, calling me because they're making a podcast about this, you know, and they would call and they would do this or, or it was like a TV station or something like, Hey, we're calling around. We're doing, you know, like they're very excited. We're doing this thing about Grand Rapids. And I'm like, uh, uh, no, I bet you don't know what it's about. I'm like, uh, yeah. And and they're like, I said, is it the Ruby slippers? (laughs) Oh yes. Oh my God. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." 18 years later, still coming around. It's, it took a long time. Yeah. I mean, I don't under, art heists are not easy. So they're, they're, that's all I have to say. I'm not, a, I'm not a, even an amateur sleuth. So it all goes back to the art heists. <laughs> we heard from Brandon Chase, who says, um, I'm still being questioned about speeding on my motorcycle. Thanks to John Bauer. 
Oh, John. He's created uh, some some excitement for us over the years. Isn't that true? Yeah. I had to cut him off last week because he kept interrupting the news on the radio. No. No, John. Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE. Made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota. With music by Sam Milton.